Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google. What makes them industry giants? Get ready to take a peek inside and learn their secrets of success. This is Silicon Valley Insider, the show that demystifies the valley and helps to elevate your business to the next level. Now, your host for Silicon Valley Insider, Keith Koo. Welcome to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. On today's show, I have quote-unquote Bitcoin billionaire Brock Pierce, who is also the founder of Block One of the EOS blockchain community. And I have David Packham of EOS42 and the Shintai Token Leasing Exchange. On this week's tech news, I actually have a follow-up of sorts. So the National Association of Realtors, who has their own accelerator called Reach, uh, in an article published by Forbes, announced that both Proppy, who was on my show last year, and they do title registry on a blockchain, and Real Estate Consortia, which is the company that I advise, and I have had Teresa Grobecker, their CEO, twice, and they do a referral platform that they were both included in this year's class in their accelerator. Not only that, uh, Real Estate Consortia just announced that they had their first referral transaction ever, and this is just a reminder the blockchain is coming. Baltimore now has a longer ransomware attack than the city of Atlanta did last year. Baltimore is in its fifth week, and if you can imagine whether you're a Baltimore resident or not, not being able to pay your water bill or your electric bill or get your garbage taken care of or pay for your parking tickets and all those fines still increasing, that's what Baltimore residents are facing. Baltimore is apologizing. They've spent about $18.2 million dollars trying to solve the ransomware problem. And just as a reminder, this start off with a demand by hackers for $76,000 in Bitcoin back on May 7th. Mark Zuckerberg was a victim of getting deep faked. And if you can think about the irony in this, the video, so deep fake, I'll talk about later in the cyber tip of the week. That's when you have a fake video presenting itself to be, um, an original person. So in this case, the video said, imagine this for a second, one man with total control of billions of people's stolen data, all their secrets, their lives, their futures, and I owe it all to Spectre. So if Mark Zuckerberg can be deep faked, so can you. And finally, I want to talk about Mary Meeker, famous Silicon Valley analyst. She came out with her annual report Every year it seems to get bigger, 333 slides talking about all the major trends in technology. I'll be discussing that more in depth in a future show. One self-serving highlight is that podcast listeners have gone from 22 million to 70 million over 10 years. So thank you, all my listeners. And that's the Tech News of the Week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, I'm joined with David Packham, who is the founder of EOS42, a block producer for the EOS blockchain ecosystem, as well as Shintai, the token leasing platform. Welcome back, David. Hi, Keith. Thanks a lot. So, David, it's really great to have you back on. I remember when we were together a little more than a year ago in London, after you had just gotten done with your overview for the 
FCA, England's uh, financial regulator, on what blockchain and cryptocurrencies are. And we talked about EOS before it was launching. And then we had our Tulip conference where, uh, not intentional, but it was great that the block producers around the world at the end of the conference voted to launch the mainnet. So it's so great to have you again. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's great. And it's, it has been an amazing year. So much has, has gone on and happened in this whole space um, since, since you and I last caught up. Uh, everything from the FCA uh, going on to actually issue some quite good structured guidance around differences between things like security tokens and utility tokens. For the average listener, they may have no idea what that really means. But then the EOS mainnet itself, as you say, it, it ended up launching at the Tulip Conference in San Francisco. Um, we, we matched the time it perfectly. And, uh, and, and then from there, um, EOS 42 um, were privileged enough to be elected one of the top 21 block producers, which on a network like that means they're the ones actually active and producing blocks, which is, is a big deal in terms of, um, I think, as much as anything, a representation of trust from the community, the token holders themselves. And uh, so, yeah, for the vast majority of the first year, uh, we have been in, in an active position, which has um, been great. And aside from that, the Shintai token leasing platform that we were in the middle of building at that period, too, uh, went on to launch in, in October and has been very successful so far. Yeah, and I, I just think I want to mention and call out because you've been a past guest that they can, the listener can download uh, the shows we did together that explained all this because it's just exciting to, to hear what's happened in a little more than a year. So moving back to specifically around the EOS community, I know Block One just had their own event in Washington, D.C., and then immediately followed by the Tulip Conference in San Francisco. What are some of the highlights in the past year that you want to call out? So the primary highlights for me, apart from the network launching in itself anyway, which was uh, a huge achievement, we've got a huge uh, ecosystem already building up of, of dApps uh, across a range of different industries that have already deployed on, on the mainnet. I think the biggest uh, and most impressive aspect in one sense, though, is that the original uh, constitution and set of governance rules that were put in place, they were tried out, they didn't seem to be working properly, and so they've been completely replaced by the community. And so the, we've seen something that's never been seen in a public blockchain before, which is that the community actually voted and then um, in, enacted a series of changes without the chain actually forking. And forking is an important concept to understand with blockchains because um, what it actually, of course, does is it leads to a split in the air right. the underlying community and hence value associated with it. Yeah, and I want to follow up with that because uh, we have Brock Pierce, who I got an interview with at the Tilt Conference coming on later in the show, is that your Block Producer Summit, year two, second annual EOS Block Producer Summit that happened coinciding with Tulip, what were people like Brock and Timothy Lewis and some of the other folks there, Luke Stokes, what were they talking about? So there's been a lot of talk about the uh, the dangers of, of centralization, of uh, potential centralization of control of for example, the voting um, and decision-making related to who the, the BPs are in that network. And I think there's been a, a lot of head-on discussion, therefore, about what needs to change, maybe, for example, reconfiguring the network in terms of how it works to make it more resistant to that and to ensure that it stays decentralized. So that's certainly one of the big talking points that came up in, in the Block Producer Summit. Is, is it still a fair analogy that the EOS um, ecosystem, the way that they handle consensus is similar to the Electoral College system in the United States? It, it's got a lot of parallels with the Electoral College system, I think. Uh, it, ultimately, what you see is a series of vested interest groups across the world, 
and people are voting based on their own value sets. So what we need to ensure is that the voting system um, is perfectly aligned to ensure that people don't just vote for financial incentives. So instead, they're they're definitely going to be voting for the best interests of the the we rather than the me. Um, To quote Brock, it's it's one of the terms he tends to use looking at the the whole um, approach to this philosophically, and and I agree with that. I think it's important that token holders understand when they're placing their votes, they have to vote for the best interest of everybody, not just the short term for themselves. So that's where I think a series of configuration changes may be advantageous for the network in in the coming months. And, and that's, again, what's interesting about this as a, as a blockchain and trying to actually ensure that its, its self-governance mechanisms continue to adapt until we find optimal um, configuration for everybody. Well, David, thanks for having a great start to the show. I don't want anyone to go away because we're next going to be talking about token leasing. And this is really just in service that blockchain as a technology continues to gain adoption. And it's a really exciting time to be in this space. And of course, later on the show, we'll have Brock Pierce, who was keynoting at Tulip and had some inspirational words to say. So don't go away. You're listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo, currently speaking to David Packham of EOS42 and the Shintai Token Leasing Exchange. Any questions or comments, email us at info at svn.biz, and we'll be right back. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to the show. Once again, I'm joined with David Packham of EOS42, a global block producer for the EOS ecosystem, as well as the Shintai token leasing platform. Welcome back, David. Hi, Keith. So a lot of times on our show, we, we are showing parallels and analogies between the traditional world of finance and this new ecosystem around blockchain and cryptocurrency technology. So there's an actual rating system called WISE that's tracking, quote unquote, cryptocurrencies. And so you can have both a, a blockchain that's a blockchain, but you can, sometimes you can also have it that they have perceived value as a cryptocurrency. So David, thanks again for being here. WISE just recently downgraded EOS. Uh, what is that all about? So WISE is, um, is one of the few crypto rating agencies that's attempting to apply uh, an impartial rating um, system across a range of different criteria for each of these different types of projects, including Bitcoin, Ethereum, uh, Tron, uh, you name it, the, the list goes on. And um, they, they, for a long time, have rated EOS as the top-rated uh, project um, by them. It's, it's had an A-grade rating overall. Um, but they, they have fairly consistently highlighted concerns relating to centralization worries and, and risk uh, for the project. And off the back of the Block Producers Summit at Tulip this year, um, due to that not, in their view, being addressed, they have uh, downgraded the technology score, um, and it's now dropped to an A-minus grade. Um, now, there, there's been an interesting response, in my view, by the wider community to this. Some people have just said that this is FUD, that they don't recognize the authority of of uh, Weiss to be even a, a valid agency and so on and so forth. I personally think, though, however, it, it's important that we are um, self-critical as a community and actually look at um, views like this, because whether it's, it's entirely valid or not is irrelevant to me. It's the fact that there is a perception globally and externally that there may be some centralization. Uh, and this all stems, in my view, of the, the changes in the block producer voting patterns, whereby we're seeing more and more 
of the original independent community-focused um, block producers slowly dropping out of the producer zone, including ourselves, actually. We've recently just dropped out. And, and starting to be replaced by new entrants who um, very often have got uh, established technology practices. They're producers on a variety of different chains. So they're not as uh, perhaps um, active in the community and, uh, and building side of things, so as in building your projects. And so maybe the model is ad- adapting here. And also we're seeing more uh, of these producers typically coming from Asia as well. So again, that's another um, reason why certain people are, are arguing that that's uh, evidence of centralization. Okay. Well, thanks again. I mean, the, we'll, we'll be staying on top of this um, topic as it moves along. So thanks again for the answer. So David, thanks so much. I know you've done so much in your own right for the EOS ecosystem, especially with EOS 42. But what was equally interesting to me when we met back in London last year was this whole concept of token leasing. And I wanted you to kind of talk about what that is and back to your project, Shintai, what's that all about? Absolutely. So token leasing as a concept is it, it's, it's relevant to utility tokens rather than security tokens. So a security token is basically an ownership stake in, in uh, an underlying company that would pay dividends just like in the real world. But utility tokens are something else. They have some sort of definable, unique purpose uh, and utility. So in the case of EOS, for example, that they, they have three core utilities. One is uh, access to the CPU. Uh, capacity of the network. Another is the net capacity of the network. And then the final part are, are voting rights for voting for block producers. So those utilities um, are, are what effectively define EOS as a utility token. Now, only uh, the, the CPU and net capacity of those can be delegated to other people. And what that means, therefore, is you can set up a, a mechanism whereby people can pay other people uh, an ongoing passive income for the, the, that CPU. So it, in other words, it generates an ongoing passive income stream and it decouples ownership of the token from its utility for the first time. And that's what Shintai was there to satisfy as a, as a requirement for the network soon after launch. We deployed it in October and it, it, the market grew up to a peak of over 20 million EOS at its peak, which is a market cap of about $125 million um, dollars at, or, or, or more. And um, Really what that reflected at the time was a very, very high demand for CPU as we were ironing out some inefficiencies in both the smart contracts that were on there and uh, the code base. And certainly now that's dramatically fallen and made it cheaper to do business on the mainnet. But in in a nutshell is what um, token leasing is. Okay, thank you. And So I'm trying to actually get to token leasing as applied to the everyday person. How do they then take the advantages of token leasing versus just buying outright their own... Um, different types of forms of, of blockchain cryptocurrency? So what it means is if you're a holder of uh, any cryptocurrencies, in the future, as more and more of them add in this capability to delegate the utility, it means that you will actually and should expect to be able to get ongoing income from holding your tokens. You'll lease them out, uh, and, and other people who use the network uh, or the underlying application will pay you income ongoing for, for those tokens. So you'll effectively be able to access and tap that as an income stream. And on the other side of things, what it does is it decouples the price of the token from the affordability to use the platform. So a good example is that if the price of EOS were quadruple, um, without leasing, the, the access to the network as a business would quadruple with it. But by offering leasing as a service, you make it exponentially cheaper to continue operating on the network. 
to, to run your DAP. And that's, again, another um, inherent property of leasing. And this is going to be able to apply to all any um, utility token over time. It, it's going to, in my view, become uh, a completely commonplace standard thing that we see in all utility tokens. And that's really what's so interesting and powerful, right? Because as I'm watching, because blockchain and Bitcoin and Ethereum and EOS and Tron, it's still very new to a person who's normally investing in traditional securities, bonds, et cetera, right? Um, helping them get educated faster is that a token leasing exchange, you have the ability to generate income off of these digital assets you hold. And I can also see what you just mentioned, the huge benefits to somebody trying to create their stake, their their DAP, their into the ecosystem, but now because, like you said, EOS quadruples, they're actually effectively blocked out from testing their hypothesis without being able to buy into it. So this is like a good alternative to that. Definitely. Yeah, that's a good summary. So how do people then, uh, with Shintai, how are people engaging with Shintai now? How do they get started? So, so they can sign up with, if you have a, an EOS account, for example, right now, it's extremely simple. You just go to Shintai.io, you sign in with uh, one of the multitude of different uh, safe, safe, secure sign-ins. And at, at that point, if you have EOS already in your account, you can make it available on the market at, at whatever rate you wish and, uh, and, and buy one of the multiple terms. And uh, outside of that, uh, you, you then, if you're on the other side of things, wish to actually borrow CPU capacity because you're, you maybe need it for a series of airdrops or for particularly high usage on your account for something else, again, you just go on to Shintai and you lease on the other side of it instead. Um, and that's, that's, it's, it's as simple as that. It's very similar in terms of the interface to buying and selling on a, on a standard exchange, be it a crypto or a um, securities exchange. Um, but we are actually moving that, that project forward and actually adding in an automated resource solution now to completely obfuscate the uh, blockchain layer for end businesses so that Shintai itself will actually just, uh, a bit like an electricity company provides you with electricity and you don't need to do anything else, you just pay a monthly bill. It monitors your accounts and it can monitor your customer accounts so that they no longer even have to think about resourcing on-chain for, for EOS. And that's a more EOS-specific um, uh, solution that we're talking about because, of course, if you start talking about other tokens, what they do and their inherent utility can be totally different. Yeah, thanks, David. Thanks again for explaining what Shintai and token leasing is. I want to just take a moment because I know that this topic sometimes go is so new it might go over the head of some people. Is that I bring this up because the world is changing, technology is changing, financial services are changing, and I loved having David on my show because David, coming from a background with Goldman um, Sachs and also from the UK with really uh, just as stringent financial regulations and laws in the United States is. Here you have a former uh, banker who understands regulations and is pushing the, the adoption of these technologies in a compliant manner. And this is just a, re a reassurance that, again, these technologies are coming. I'm hoping you as a listener are prepared for it and are taking advantage of that. So, David, thanks again for being on the show. And we look forward to hearing you later in the show to talk about the pivot. Questions or comments about what we just talked about? Email us at info at svn.biz. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Brock Pierce. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. Next up, as promised, I have a segment I did with Brock Pierce 
at the second annual Tulip Conference. As discussed with David Packham in the earlier segments, the Tulip Conference last year in San Francisco is credited with rallying the community of EOS block producers to agree to launch the mainnet. So here we are a year later. Brock is both well-known as a quote-unquote Bitcoin billionaire, as well as the founder of Block One, who produced the software for the EOS mainnet. On this week's Cyber Tip, I wanted to follow up on the news I spoke about earlier, which are deep fakes. Deep fakes are often videos that you don't even realize that the person who is featured in the video is actually a facsimile, not a real, not really them. So here are some tips on how to spot a deep fake. And this was reported in the Huffington Post. Watch the perimeter of the face. Inconsistencies, including discoloration and blurring in this area, could mean a person's face has been swapped onto another person's head. Analyze eye blinking. Deep fake visualizations of people sometimes blink less often than a real person would, or they don't blink at all. Close your eyes and listen carefully. If the video shows a public figure, focus on their voice. Does it actually sound like the person who's speaking? Watch on your computer and not your phone. The resolution on your computer is much better, and there'll be much better ways to tell that their deep fake is playing. And last, use your common sense. Ask questions. Is what the person who you think it is saying consistent with who they are? That's exactly how body language experts de- detect uh, inconsistencies with witnesses. And that's the cyber tip of the week. So just as we mentioned in the early part of the segment, I'm about to introduce Brock Pierce, and I'm asking him what brings him to this year's Tulip Conference. And that's why I'm here. Yeah. Is this, this has become a, uh, an integral part of the, the EOS community and block producer activity, and you know, I wanted to make sure that I, because I wasn't here last year. Yeah. That I, uh, uh, so, well, Timothy said you were here in spirit. I'm always here in spirit. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, wanted to make sure that I, support the community well Brock we do like that you support the community first question is it's been a year since the mainnet launch what have you seen what have, what have you thought so far well I mean the community has done extraordinary things again it's only been one year when you look at other sort of blockchains and when they've you know had their sales versus when they've launched I mean it's normally the mainnets aren't even live yet yeah. normally most chains and most communities don't even have a live net at this point and if I recall, I think uh, EOS blocks overtook Ethereum blocks within the first six weeks of the mainnet launch. I mean, depending upon how you measure, yeah, in terms of number of transactions and things of that nature, I mean, yes. But, uh, no, I think the community has done extraordinary things. You know, it's still an infant, uh, and I'm mostly excited about the year ahead. But, yeah, I mean, amazing accomplishments I mean, that speak for themselves. The EOS mainnet has over 60% market share of all blockchain transactions. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. And that's not including, you know, the sister chains <laughs> and, and prior chains like Schemit and BitShares. And it's, it's pretty amazing what delegated proof of stake has done and uh, in all its forms. So you just touched on this past year that you were excited about the year ahead. What do you think is going to happen in the year ahead? What's your prediction? Well, the things I was most excited about is looking at kind of what can be done from a DAP perspective and owning our digital DNA, taking back control of our lives, owning our futures, 
And so I'm super excited about, you know, messaging things like I mentioned, my wife's Project Sense, the first provably secure messenger that's on-chain. Yeah. They don't have your data. You know, they can't, you know, like most of our encrypted messengers are actually making a copy of our messages before they encrypt it. Oh, and tell us it's encrypted. Yeah, I mean, that just happened with Snapchat when they outed that all the employees or certain key employees have total access to everything that goes through there. Yeah, no, it's... it's uh, <laughs> and this is a, 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 a pretty regular problem. So I'm excited to see us solve these issues. And so I'm excited about B1's announcement with voice and sort of social networking or social media content creation, sense. And those are just two early ones. And it's not, not important to me whether they end up being the successful ones. But I'm excited about what can happen with messaging. I'm excited about what can happen with social media. I'm excited about what's happening with gaming. Because uh, these are like the three leading things in the, you know, call it the existing world right now. Absolutely. Games drive distribution. Messaging drives distribution. Social networking drives distribution. So if those are the biggest things that are in the existing world, those could be the largest drivers of adoption in this new world. Can you go back into B1's announcement about voice? My listener base is not just the blockchain community. It's enterprise, technology, C-level executives. Uh, What is voice, and how does that relate to social media? So voice is the second product of Block One. So EOS was the first product. Mm -hmm. The second product, you know, the the following year, is voice. Voice Voice.com is where you can go sign up for the beta. And Dan Larimer, prior to building EOS, built Steemit. Right which is the leading sort of social product. But that was really a, a prototype. It was his first sort of lesson in learning this. And then what EOS was, was how do I build generalized blockchains that can be high scale, high velocity, no friction, things of that nature, which is what EOS is. Well, RAM, there's some friction. <laughs> um, uh, and I don't want to overstate things, but that's the idea. And, uh, and then this is the next product, which is how do you go in and start to rebuild, rethink social networking, rethink social media, and how do you give people the financial benefit of their data, you know, being sold, where you're the recipient of your data, the beneficiary of your data being sold, and where you control your data and everything that happens with your data is done with your consent. You know, taking back ownership of our DNA, where we consent to the things that are done with it, and we're the beneficiary of the, you know, how that information is bought or sold. Yeah, it's empowerment. I mean, self-sovereign identity, the concept of that. And, uh, like, for instance, on my show, I've had Jerry Cuomo, who's the quote-unquote father of Hyperledger for, on the IBM side. And, I mean, he's also said he's shifted. So whether it's a community like EOS or whether it's some, you know, like basically a Hyperledger fabric, they all recognize that the user base is asking for some form of self-sovereign identity. And I think the decentralized uh, approach is going to be something very compelling for the end user. Well, I was really inspired by your keynote here at Tulip this year. Uh, I really liked your talk about what your definition of a billionaire is, so I'd like you to repeat that. Yeah, it's... it's. I grew up playing games, yeah. and so I was like a pro gamer and done a lot of stuff in the games business. And so I think of life, you know, kind of like being a game, but a non-linear game, right. you know, kind of like a role-playing game. And so, if life is a game, how do you measure your success in a non-linear game? What is it that you aspire, you know, this is design your own adventure to some extent. What kind of world do you want? You know, what kind of world are you creating? You know, what kind of world are you designing for yourself? 
And for me, I measure my success in this game by the positive impact I'm having on the lives of others. And so to me, a billionaire is not someone with a billion dollars, but someone who is positively impacting the lives of a billion people. A unicorn to me isn't a billion dollar company, but a community positively impacting the lives of a billion people because I measure my success by positive social impact. So that is very inspirational. I wanted to ask you then is what is the legacy that Brock Pierce wants to leave with the world? Hopefully a very positive one. You know, and I, I'd, I'd like to leave this world knowing I left it a better place. Uh, and I live my life in service and therefore the more of that that I can do in the time that I've been given, you know, this blessing of life that I have, you know, I hope to make the most of it. You know, I'm a, I'm a gamer. <laughs> and I was a pro gamer. So ho- hopefully a lot of positive impact. So I guess as a pro gamer is what's your view of the next level up? Well, ultimately changing the game itself. What does changing the game mean to you? Well, I mean, uh, look at the world around you. You know, what's wrong with it? To some extent, you can make things better. To some extent, you can change things entirely. I would like to imagine a world that is entirely different from the one that we live in today and understanding what are those things that we could do differently uh, and which of those things can we actually change because we're capable of so much more than we realize. Absolutely. This world runs on consensus meaning that with the right teamwork the right team we can make this collective dream work we have the power to design our reality and maybe there's some big changes that we'd like to make and And I think that that's collectively what we're doing here I mean this is you know this is the team this is the tribe you know that is looking at the biggest problems the biggest challenges that we face as a species as a planet and asking ourselves can we solve it and I, I, I assume most of your listeners being well informed well educated uh, the types of people that are listening here most of us recognize that there's something wrong and that we're on a path that is not sustainable so, so with that optimism how soon do you think we would notice the change many people won't even notice things as you know most people are oblivious the matrix <laughs> to, to the things that are happening but for those that are paying attention you know uh, the most important thing is if you're conscious enough and you're aware enough get involved be involved well Brock thanks for your time I really enjoyed having this short segment with you and thanks again for all you've done for not just the EOS community but the global community so thanks a lot well and I look forward to what the next time when we get to do this in a, in a longer format, yeah, uh, I'm just glad that we were able to get you know something done here today. Once again, I just really want to thank Brock Pierce for making the time. The Tilt Conference was very hectic, and so really appreciate all the effort to being on our show, both being a keynote and giving some inspirational messaging to the community. 
Also, wanted to remind you that if you ever want to get a hold of us, you can email us at info at svn.biz. You can find me, Keith Koo, on LinkedIn, keithkoo.sv on Facebook, and svi underscore Keith on Twitter. Coming up next, we have David Packham of EOS42 and Shintai to talk about the pivot and how Shintai was originally a token leasing exchange for EOS, and now is a token leasing exchange for any utility token. So don't go away. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. On my show is David Packham leader of EOS42 and the Shintai Token Leasing Exchange. And we had just followed up with Brock Pierce, who was at the Tulip Conference, gave the keynote, and just gave an inspiring message in our last segment. Welcome back, David. Hi, Keith. So, David, we had talked earlier in the show how when we met in London a year and a half ago and we had talked about all the things coming up and that you're working on, you had already brought up this concept of token leasing through the Shintai Token Leasing Exchange, and we just covered what that's all about. But... It's pivoted, right? Things have not been from what it originally was um, thought of. Absolutely, yeah. So not only did uh, a solution get proposed by Block One, the, the, the creators of EOSIO, to um, pull um, and use a financial incentive to, to provide a lot more tokens into um, a giant pool for leasing. So by doing that, they, they've almost uh, provided a, a much wider scale solution that's slightly different from Shintai although Shintai was happily servicing the mainnet in, in the interim, we realized that actually the opportunity really here was for Shintai to service not just one token, but to be able to lease anything and everything. And that was the, the, the real um, pivot moment for us. We suddenly realized that we had an opportunity here to leverage the, the leasing engine we'd built already and start to provide leasing services for all sorts of other projects. So we have three main projects already that are about to deploy leasing markets on uh, Shintai 2.0 when it re- launches uh, imminently. And that includes um, Liquid Apps. Uh, they've got the DAP network, which is a great project. Boyd, Lumios is uh, another one. And also um, the other big side of things is looking at the NFT, which is the non-fungible token, unique token space. Um, now, this is particularly large in the gaming sector. Um, and there's already a, a huge gray market where traded uh, digital assets uh, are, are taking place. And the gaming companies have been looking at this for a long time in envy, wishing they could get access to it. But with a non-fungible token standard, uh, of which Shintai has now signed uh, a, a, a partnership with D-Goods, which is part of the Mythical Games-led um, um, consortium for this, it's going to enable and guarantee that the gaming companies that issue these NFTs, for example, get um, a fixed percentage of income every time they're traded. So they can finally unlock the, the value there. But really what this also means for Shintai is that it will be the callable engine used by all of these gaming companies um, whenever they have their in-game markets and indeed for other front-end markets as they deploy. So it's an incredibly exciting pivot for us because we're now seeing the potential to unlock a, a host of almost limitless numbers of utility markets as well as the NFT space. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. In fact, uh, one of the main thoughts I had when I first got into learning about blockchain technologies was this whole concept of NFT, so non-fungible token. And just to make it really easy for people to understand, um, you are playing an online game, as you mentioned, David, and you have that unique sword or unique shield or unique weapon or unique skin. 
Uh, those are all things that when I originally was gaming before, way back before marriage and kids, um, people were getting hacked and those things were getting stolen. And you heard about the Chinese and Korean digital asset farms and they would try to recreate these items and they would go for $10,000 online, believe it or not. And so really being able to, one, ensure that the consumer, the gamer in this instance, knows that their item is real and is unhackable, and also for the publisher to the game issuer that they know that their uh, their digital economy is preserved. That's really what this means. And I'll take it even one step further, is that I also thought about this in terms of baseball cards, comic books, um, fine art, like anything that you can actually stamp as something as a representation, that's how powerful NFTs are if people aren't on top of that yet. That's absolutely right. And the the concept, therefore, for people, they don't have to just trade these things either, but that again, they can lease it and unlock an ongoing passive income stream from their digital assets is a huge deal. So Pixios is another EOS-based project that uh, is all about digital art. And um, so again, they're looking at this as a, an opportunity for them not just to access trading of this, but also leasing. So you can imagine in various virtual reality um, environments like uh, High Fidelity, which is soon to launch, you could have a, a virtual art gallery where you literally can display these things or indeed these works of art on the wall, uh, much as you would in the real world. And it, it's a, a big thing for people to get their heads around. But in terms of what this actually is as a concept, it's huge. It, it is, again, a decoupling of ownership and utility and being able to uh, and you, for you to enable you to access the income uh, ongoing from this. And it's, it's, I think the potential of it is almost limitless. It's, it stands to the imagination of um, the individual content creators now. Yeah. And, and so the, the Shintai partner directly with these blockchain ecosystems, or it's simply you have the token and the, the Shintai platform is flexible enough that it can accept any utility? So we, we have to find um, a standard with D-Goods, and we're in the process of finalizing that now that um, ideally tokens will adhere to because it gives a flexible um, enough standard by which anybody can then lease. Actually, what Shintai is also doing is it has another um, component to it called uh, Coin coin factory and what that does is it not only enables people to actually carry out raises of their own but it also uh, handles the ability for people to mint their own nfts to this standard and be able to rapidly deploy those and because it follows that same standard they can hit the markets and be leased out uh, instantly as well in theory again this is all predicated on these these um, digital assets having demand for them and an actual value because you could in theory tokenize anything but um that that's the potential of this in terms of where it's moving Okay. Well, David, thanks again for explaining token leasing and has Shintai pivoted. I think as more people become aware of these tools, they will make their own pivots to adopt some of these technologies. So thanks for being here. My pleasure, Keith. Thanks so much. I also want to thank Brock Pierce for being on the show, and I'm very excited with everything that's happening in this space. So thanks again for being here. Any questions or comments, email us at info at svn.biz. And we'll see you next week. You've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. For questions or comments on today's program or to schedule a complimentary consultation with Keith about your business, call 1-888-828-SVIN. That's 1-888-828-7846. 888-828-SVIN. 